Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 273, and it's part three of our new series that we're doing for the new year, uh, for season seven of the show, uh, New Ideas for the New Year. And uh, we are doing eight episodes in a row, back to back to back to back, etc. <laughs> days uh, to kick off January, to kick off 2024, and also to clear up some of the backlog of episodes I have on my computer when my father passed away in March, put everything on hold, everything I had recorded kind of sat on my computer, and then I started to record a little bit, uh, like in August, and kind of release episodes bi-weekly in September, record a little bit more, and that backlog kind of grew, and so now I'm at this point where if I record with somebody, like their episode isn't due to come out for quite a while, if I stick to the one a week thing. And so I'm trying to clear up some of that backlog a little bit. And uh, also these are great these are great conversations with a lot of new ideas. I mean astrology we talked about the other day, uh, yesterday, Jesus's native tongue of Aramaic and how that can inform our understanding of the of the gospel stories. Uh, today we're going to be talking to Karen Schock about deconstruction and rethinking faith. We have talks coming up about tarot and Buddhism and theology and all sorts of different things. And so I, I hope there's something for everybody uh, in these episodes that are dropping over the course of this uh, week, these eight days. And so uh, it's a lot of information though, right? There's a lot of ideas, uh, usually, you know, one podcast a week, it's kind of like enough for me. <laughs> and this is kind of like uh, just a, a dumping of ideas. And so it's a lot of information if you're going to listen to all of them, which I don't expect anybody to do. Uh, but I'm going to I'm gonna replay these probably over the summer because, um, you know, some of them might get missed in the week. You might not have a chance to listen to them, and they're really good conversations. And again, I want to get uh, these people's names out there and the stuff that they're sharing and their ideas, and so we'll give them some more airtime over the summer. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens when we get to the summer. I can barely figure out today, much less what's going to happen over the summer. And so, but we'll, we'll replay some of these again later, but enjoy it. If you see a title pop up and you're like, oh man, that sounds really interesting. Uh, give it a listen. Maybe listen to part of the episode and then part of another one or whatever, whatever you got to do. Uh, the, the goal though, is just that you'll enter this year with some new perspectives some new, some new ideas and uh, feel a little bit more equipped to do whatever it is that you're doing uh, in your days, or more equipped and more inspired, I should say, to do whatever it is that that you do. So uh, anyway, today we're talking to Karen Schock. Karen is a friend of mine, and uh, she's been a, we, we became friends, I should say, really over the course of this last year. When my father passed away, she was a real huge encouragement to me. She sent me uh, some wind chimes that are hanging outside uh, to remember my dad. She's been, she's reached out to me, asked me how I'm doing, how my family's doing, uh, she lost her parents as well, and so we kind of connected on that level. And it's just been she's been really great. And this conversation felt like I was sitting down with a friend at Starbucks, and we we're just kind of shooting the breeze, you know, and talking about life. And uh, she wrote a great book called uh, "Too Much and Not Enough: Sacred Thoughts Said Out Loud." And this book is it's a poetic book. It's written in a very very unusual format that wouldn't work for everybody, but works for Karen because this is her heart 
on a page, and this is who she is. And you got to get this book because there's so much in this book that will just make you go, oh, like really make you rethink some things that you uh, just always assume to be the way that it is. And we talk a little bit about that in the episode that, you know, we have these questions, we have these doubts, and those things are sacred. But we're often taught to squash them down and give them no attention because they're going to draw us away from God. But those thoughts are sacred. And when we say them out loud, when we voice them, something almost magical can happen in our life and in our faith. And so we talk about that magic in the episode. And we talk about her story and we drill down into some topics. I think we touch on the rapture. We touch, touch on some different things that, <laughs> that we have both been traumatized by in our religious upbringing. And she has a really interesting story, and so I'm excited to share uh, this episode with you. I'll put her links in the show notes, along with links to my books, Rethinking Everything, Emerging from the Rubble, uh, Patreon if you want to support the show financially. That's a once-a-month-like contribution. There's also uh, on the website, whatifproject.net slash support. Uh, you can go there to make a one-time donation as well. And so again, all the links to all the things are in the show notes. Uh, but for now, my friends, episode 273 with my friend, Karen Schock. Enjoy. everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with my friend Karen Schock, who recently released her first book. Uh, I think it will be the first of many books to come. Uh, the book is called Too Much and Not Enough, uh, subtitled Sacred Thoughts Said Out Loud. And so Karen, welcome to the show. It's an honor to share this time and this space with you. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I feel like even though we've never uh, met in the flesh, I feel like we're besties. Right? I do too. <laughs> right. I feel like we, we started chatting, I think, to get you on the podcast like a long time ago. And then it was your book was coming out. Then there was the website. And then it was images for social media, the banner for your launch party that thank God came out looking, looking good. And now I feel like I'm like your right arm. Like whenever you need something created, I'm there. <laughs> I know that. Like I know that I've got you. I've got you to just, oh, I'm so thankful. I don't know what I, honestly, I don't know what I would do without you. So thank you. Well, I yeah, think no. you've been my best friend since um, I read your book. I ordered your book, your first book, or the, is that the real, your first book? The first one was Rethinking Everything. Yeah. So yeah. I, I ordered that, didn't know you at all, uh, hmm. saw you through choir and then ordered it and loved it and thought, yeah, I think we're going to be besties. And then we are. We are. We operate like on a similar colorful wavelength. Absolutely. Rainbows everywhere, man. That's Let's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I wanted to publicly say thank you for giving me the opportunity to help spotlight your your work because I really enjoyed putting together that website with you. I felt like it was like we both vibe on that kind of very bright, ex like being excited kind of level about different things. And I, I really enjoyed doing that. And I really just appreciate your work and your friendship. So thank you. 
feelings are mutual and I know I'll have more for you to do. Oh, so excellent. Um, stay tuned. I'm waiting in the wings. I'm ready to go. <laughs> we'll talk about it after this is over. That's right. So I want to keep our conversation today uh, really laid back, casual. I have a, I usually have a list of questions that from the person's book that I want to ask them, but I felt like your book deserves more than just like a list of questions from various chapters, because really your book is is very different from anything else that's that's out there. It's your it's your faith journey. Uh, but it's told, I think, in this masterfully poetic way that I wasn't really ready for when I first got the book, when I first got the PDF of the book, because you told me what the book was going to be about. And then I started reading the book. I'm like, oh, this is a very different approach to a topic uh, that I've never seen taken before. And so I thought we could kind of begin by talking about your your faith journey, your spiritual journey, and see where that takes us. And I was thinking like this morning, like specifically in the preface, how you talk about I think you said that you gave your life to Christ at five yeah. and then you were introduced to like the rapture, I think at like maybe eight or nine mm -hmm. or something like that. Then you talk about Rob Bell and love wins and this like <laughs> explosion of questions that you have. So take us into this evolution of, uh, of your faith journey. We'll see where it goes yeah. from there. Yeah. I feel like you just said it well, as far as <laughs> that's, it all started with knowing, like grew up Methodist. My mm -hmm. parents were incredible people. Um, and I, there was a time in my life during those last years that I didn't know that because I got in so deep with reformed theology, which I think, you know, a thing or two about that. Am I correct? Yeah, I was, uh, I, I pastored a Dutch reformed church for a few years. So that was an exciting time in my life. <laughs> okay, well, yes. Yes. So started out very simple, a very simple faith, just knowing I could talk to God anytime mm -hmm. and love me. Jesus loves me. This I know. Yep. And then the rapture saw the movie, a thief in the night. Uh, when I was like nine years old, it was yep. just, uh, basically what I say now. I know now, cause I looked it up a few years ago. Like I looked it up on YouTube and showed my oldest, one of my older daughters that, yeah. And she was like, mom, it's a horror flick. And I'm like, yes, it's a horror flick. <laughs> You've been left behind. <laughs> oh, don't do it. Now that's going to be my head for the rest right. of the day, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so basically in that movie, the I, had, I didn't know anything about that. My parents, too, they had taken me to a Youth for Christ event. So mm -hmm. they didn't know anything about it either. I should have never been there sitting on my dad's lap in the back of the room. I'm pretty sure he probably the way my dad was, he was probably sleeping through it. Mm. And my just because that's what, how my dad was. He was sure. <laughs> and my mom probably was helping in the back somewhere and didn't even see it. Yeah. And so I, I was terrified and had nowhere to go with my questions. Mm. All I knew was Jesus is going to take, take some of us up and not others. And then if you're left behind, if you don't get this mark of the beast, you're going to get your head chopped off. Yeah. So, and that's how the movie ended. And I remember just for the next month or so going home and sleeping in between my mom and dad in their bedrooms, terrified and holding on to both of their hands as, mm -hmm. as we laid there. Cause I was so, I'm just praying, begging God not to take them yeah. without me. Like if they're going to go take me or don't take that, like whatever, like just, not having any idea and becoming a great little missionary at that point. Because I told all my friends about it, like yep. you're head chopped off. If you don't say the prayer now, I was so confused. Yeah. 
confused. But, and then just learning also from my older siblings, because they were all into it. That's what the way it was in the late 1900s. Everybody was into it. <laughs> the late 1900s. And, <laughs> And they were all into it and like, oh, it's the mark is coming from this place and coming from over in Europe. They have a big computer and they call it the beast and it, you know, all yeah. these things, the serial yeah. box codes. And yeah. I was so afraid of everything. So this God that was so loving became kind of a monster mm. but, and, and kind of like, okay, but also I loved, I loved God a ton still. And I still loved boys also and so mm. I got myself pregnant mm. um when I was 19 yeah. by my who my husband now but he wasn't a uh evangelical Christian mm. and so I was didn't want to be unequally yoked but I also was fun and he was a good kisser so <laughs> myself knocked up things just happened <laughs> um <laughs> And we have a great story. I mean, our, yeah. our story is one of, uh, then he, you know, begged me to have an abortion, left me uh, during the pregnancy. Um, we weren't together and Alyssa was born. She looked just like him. My husband's a cute old Mexican guy <laughs> and she looked just like him. And he came back around the day after she was born, came to the hospital and held her. And he would say his life changed that day. Mm. Uh, but I... And then after he grew up Catholic, so I talked him into, I had to, I had to talk mm -hmm. him into being evangelical Christian so I could be equally yoked, right? Right, got it. And <laughs> he would say God did it, God, he asked God, he got down on his knees one night and asked God to make him new, give him mm -hmm. a new, a new start in life. And, and he did, he became a different person. Like it was, it's awesome. Like, I can't say that I even though I've gone through all the deconstruction that I've gone to, through, I can't say I don't believe in God sure. and I don't, you know? Yeah. So yeah. have this and then we get married and I still am living in the shame of it all. Mm. And then we're having children and we've got to talk them into not having sex like we did before they were married. So enter purity culture, yeah. true love weights. We became those leaders. We gave our testimony everywhere and told people don't do what we've done. Um, even though it worked out for us, yeah. you know, don't try this at home. So it was like your mistake almost became God's redemption story. Like to yes. like look at this couple, but don't do what they did. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you try, try telling that, you know, I, I remember I had one leader one time ask me when we were given our story in front of the kids, the leader kind of was doing a question answer thing. And, mm -hmm. and she said, so why do you think that you actually had sex when you weren't married, you know, knowing what you knew about God. And I was like, because it was fun. Right. <laughs> I don't, what, what do you say to that? Right. And then she, so sin is fun. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, and we could go into talking a whole lot about that as far as what I've learned in all of that with the true love weights in my book, yeah. I took a letter from a true love weights leader to the girls that, and guys that we taught that stuff to just to mm -hmm. apologize. Mm -hmm. And say, I put weight, we, you know, that was, that was good girl or bad girl, you know, like there was no love of Jesus in any of it. Yeah. it was, you're good or you're bad. <laughs> and if yep. you've had sex, you're bad or done it, you know, like, or yeah. even thought about it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so 
did that, did the whole shiny, happy people homeschooled our kids. Did you see that movie? Have you, or have you seen it yet? Dana has watched it. My wife has watched it and uh-huh. she said it's super cringe, like very like, oh, like you realize and, how deep it goes, how deep that story goes. Yep. And we were part of that. Like, yeah, didn't actually join the ATI, but we had a lot of friends that did become mm-hmm. a part of it because we homeschooled. And so. And I remember just telling my friends at the time they were talking about start their daughter starting to wear skirts all the time. And like, yep. they were just going to start following the rules. And I was like, I'm going to be a misfit because I don't want to do that. Yeah. Let my kids watch Disney. And so, <laughs> but it was all about being a Proverbs 31 woman. Yep. And I, Glenn, I just did not fit that mold. I was not that. And I begged God, uh, you know, so many times, like, please, and on my dirty bathroom floor, help me, God, change me, make me like those women, shut me up. You know, I'm too much as my book would say, you know, I, I, I need to know how to cook and sew and be up before dawn and keep my light up at night. And I wasn't doing any of that. And Mm. along came anxiety and depression in a big way. I had my first panic attack. Again, this was Mm. before people knew what that was. I do think it was about three weeks after I first learned about Reformed theology, the first time I heard that God chooses some and doesn't choose others, and he's yep. sovereign, and we don't have any choice. Yep. Um, it was about three weeks later that I had my first panic attack. Mm. And I think, it, yeah, there's a whole, it was a perfect storm, a whole yep. lot of things, hormonally and all that. But I didn't latch on to that teaching right away, mm. uh, but eventually we did. And we Mm. went through a few churches that, you know, we, one ended up in a bad church plant, uh, Francis Chan, Mm -hmm. know that name? Yeah. So we started down that road because Mm. John Piper had told us we were at a passion event and John Piper at a breakout session said, don't you dare listen to anything that's emergent. And Mm. at that time it would have been Rob Bell and Erwin McManus and Brian Brian McLaren. Yeah. Yeah. So we went home and burned our NUMA videos Yeah, and um, this would have been in what, 2006, I think, and became very afraid of Rob Bell and very afraid of anything like that. And so it was a trajectory of only read John Piper or anybody that John Piper says you can read, which is John MacArthur, Mark Driscoll, yeah. Francis Chan, yeah. and so ended up helping with um a church plant of Francis's, his worship pastor moved to Columbus, Ohio. And we moved to Columbus, Ohio to help Mm. with the church plant to do college ministry there. And it just went horribly wrong within Mm. the first year and a half, horribly wrong. Mm. Uh, There were no elders. Um, It just was a lack of system. Mm -hmm. And at one point, my husband looked at the pastor and the pastor said, I just feel like you don't trust me. And Kevin said, I, it's not you. It's the system. I don't trust. Mm. And he said, Kevin, I am the system. And and it was like, at that point where we were like, okay, this isn't right. You know? And then we decided to go to a different church that was had elders, but it still had to be reformed. Mm -hmm. It had to be very authoritative, but it had to have elders. Yeah. Turns out those elders were very much yes men. <laughs> so it didn't matter a whole lot. They did have gray hair, but they liked to say yes to our pastor. And that one was far worse, very divisive for our family, like came in between family members and mm. 
very sad. And then, but so then we left that one and then we went, well, at that one though, too, I started to really have panic attacks and anxiety. Mm. And, um, the, I, to the point where I asked my regular doctor about, you know, he put me on some meds. Well, no, he didn't put me. He just told me, gave me the name of somebody mm -hmm. to go to for counseling, never mm -hmm. been in counseling before. <laughs> and I, it took like a month to get into this guy. And the day before I got, I had the appointment, I called, um, I was talking on the phone with our pastor and mm -hmm. I told him that I had this appointment set up and he said, with who? And I told him the name of the guy. And he was like, uh, he's not in our church. And I'm like, mm. no. And he's like, no, you, we have counselors, you know, that are inside of our church. You need to stay inside the body, mm. um, inside our family. And I went home, I called my husband as soon as I got off the phone with the pastor. And he said, my husband was like, uh, uh, you're going to this appointment. We've waited yeah. for you're going yeah want to because the very reason why i was going was because of the authoritative whatever i'm gonna go against that like yeah. it just was such a mess but i went and within two months probably of me sitting there across across the room from this counselor who was amazing an mm -hmm. amazing man of god not didn't have an agenda wasn't trying to get me to go to his church but just yeah. was like helping me i was like we can't leave this one the last one the last church split we don't want to be church hoppers. And within about two months, we hopped. Yeah. We hopped on Hop over right out of there. <laughs> Unfortunately, we hopped into a Mark Driscoll church. Oh, my goodness. Church, right? <laughs> wow. This it's one spirals. <laughs> now, these were young guys, and I love them. I still love so many yeah. people from all of the churches. I know sure. you probably know how that is. Yep. But um, Again, it's systemic. It's so systemic. Like, and but this one, this is this one was where I learned to cuss. I learned it was okay to cuss. I learned it was okay to drink alcohol. A little Mark Driscoll church, you could drink whiskey and Mark smoke. likes all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we learned all that, but also was listening to Mark and listening to John MacArthur at that time and was just mm -hmm. like, okay, these guys are jerks. Like I just started to realize these guys are big fat bullies and I don't yeah. want to be hang around with them anymore. Plus I was probably right in that same exact time. I was starting to question, we were doing Wayne Grudem and I was like, wait a minute. Systematic like, theology. Yes. Oh yeah. I was like my devotional material back in the day. I would open that up with my coffee in the morning. Be all, yep. all astute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We were so smart. Weren't we glad? <laughs> so smart. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, and I would read it and I'd be like, wait, babies, they're saying that, you know, babies could go to hell. Yeah. yeah. Like all the things, you know? Yeah. And so I started questioning everything. And then Rob Bell came out with Love Wins. And I didn't read the book because that would have been, that have been heresy, you know, right. to it. actually buy it, to actually spend money on it. But I did see the video of him asking, like his promotional video yep. where he's asking all the questions, like is Gandhi in hell? Really? Yeah. yeah. Like, questions. Yeah. like somebody else has those questions, yeah. you know? And I remember saying that to my husband and to our oldest daughter at the time. And she just was like, mom, you're scaring me, you know, like, mm. and I was like, and then it became 
you're letting Rob Bell influence you. This no. is exactly what we're afraid of. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Rob Bell is an influence. These are my questions. Yeah. He's just simply putting words on the questions I've already had for yeah. years. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he's just telling me it's okay to have those questions. Yeah. And he's not even giving me answers. He's just telling me it's okay. Yeah. And so we were he doesn't honored- give a, he doesn't give a lot of answers in his so, books and that's what makes it so wonderful is it's, it's like you said it's like a permission slip to ask he's like oh someone else who is apparently in this much higher place than i am he's a pastor or whatever he's asking yeah. these questions as well it's got to be okay for me to have it yep yeah hmm. yep and so that was that was the start of the quote unquote deconstruction which i'm not i don't love that word mm-hmm. but you know, that's what happened. And I wouldn't say I did it. I would say it was being done to me because I went kicking and screaming because my whole life was this. Um, but I, and along the way found, you know, back in those days, it was Rachel Held Evans and, um, Michael Gunger, like all those, just listening to all that kind of stuff. And I'm so thankful for it. I do believe part of this whole movement, if you want to call it a movement, is because of the internet. Like, so I know there's a lot of horrible things about the internet and blah, 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 and screen time. And, but I'm thankful. I feel like this is the new kind of like the printing press yeah. 500 years ago, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when people realized, oh, wait, we can read it for ourselves. The Pope yeah. doesn't have to tell us, like, this is us now saying, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Other ways you can believe. There yeah. are these, these people out here that are not in our church denomination aren't monsters. Yep, yep. Like, it's a beautiful thing. It's funny, you know, you talk about like Rob Bell and like Love Wins and stuff. And I went to a Christian school from the fourth through 12th grades. And so it was part of this, they called it a, me- it's not really a mega church, but like for that area that I was in, it was pretty big. It was one of the bigger churches in like the, tri-state area of new york connecticut new jersey and they had a a school there that was kindergarten through 12th grade so it was the whole the whole thing the whole nine yards and they obviously had the church with the pastors but then they also had what was called the bible house which was a bookstore and there was all the books that were in there that were approved you know by the pastors that were allowed to be there and so i had i had already graduated left college everything like that but i was still in that area and i always went there for my books because it was you know a christian bookstore they'd have good books there so they had all the wayne grudem things and the piper stuff and stuff that i was i was into but they also had a rob bell section and so after love wins came out i saw that same video and i was like oh this is interesting because i have all of these questions as well and i've never had a safe place to bring these questions and i've watched the numa videos we've used them in youth groups and stuff so fantastic i don't get this book I walk in and I go in there and I look for the Rob Bell books and they're, they're all gone. And so I'm like, interesting. So I went up to the desk. I'm like, I was looking to get Rob Bell's you know new book, Love Wins. And I said, I noticed that it wasn't here and neither of any of his other books. I said, I don't know if there's like a hot sale or something. I don't know what's going on. And the guy got this like straight face. He goes, oh, haven't you heard about this book? And I was like, like a little bit. It's like, well, we got rid of that book and all the other Rob Bell books. We can't have that in here. I'm like, well, I said, I, I, what's it about? And he's like, well, there, he says, there's no hell. I'm like, well, did you read the book? He's like, no, but I've, I've watched it. I'm like, well, I said, well, I'm going to get the book somewhere else. <laughs> I was like, now I really got to get this book. Cause if everybody's saying it's so bad, 
I got to get this book and getting that book like opened up my eyes so much. But to your point, like once I realized that I didn't have to stay in the Bible house anymore, I didn't have to get my books there. I went other ways to get my books. But then, like you said, the Internet came along and now I'm able to discover all these things about people like Rob Bell. I never knew about him before. Like I've read a lot about his life and heard his story and his own podcast and stuff. And like you just start to see another side of these people that have been demonized for your whole life. And I think that there's so much power in that because just hearing Rob Bell's story has given me my own, has almost like released me in a lot of ways to do different things that I'm doing that I'm just so grateful for and having heard that part of his story. Yeah, just, yeah, I remember learning like, you know, when John Piper said, farewell, Rob Bell. Yeah. Just learning that like, oh, he's just selling out. Yeah. Like he just wants to be famous. And then now learning his story and seeing yeah. it and meeting, I met him in person. We went to one of his book, uh, to, on his book tour or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was scandalous, but we went. Right. You know? And uh, he wasn't, I mean, he didn't do it to become famous. Yeah. Like uh, what he went through. Yeah. That's the same thing. Like with my book, sometimes I can be like, oh, I put a book out there because I just want to. Yeah. But I, you're burning, I'm burning a lot of bridges too. Yeah. You know? yep. Putting myself out here like this. That's I, right. I that there are bridges that are being burnt and I, it's not a get rich quick system, is it? <laughs> it is not. It is not. And that's funny that you said me before you said earlier, like it's not like deconstruction, whatever word you want to call it. It's not like it's something that you chose. Right. And like that, I've been accused of that too. People said, well, you're just doing this because it's like the popular thing to do. I'm like, oh, excuse me. Like I've lost most of my friends that I grew up with. Right. I've lost actual family members who have want nothing to do with me. And I said, and I'm not making really any money doing what I'm doing. It's like, I, I, I could be doing other things. Like I, I literally left a place like being involved in the church and stuff, like having a house as part of my salary and having a 401k, whatever, whatever it was in the church, but like having all this stuff and like being told, like you get ordained in this denomination, like you're going to be taken care of for the rest of your life. Like I left all of that behind. Like, it's not like this is some cakewalk where it's just constantly raining skittles and unicorns are popping out all over the place like it's just all some in many ways it's freeing but in many ways it's horrible it's truly horrible yeah we became friends with in that whole thing we when we started to go to passion conferences we we actually i wrote louis a letter like an email louis giglio and didn't think i would receive anything back and like within within 12 hours, he emailed me back. And then we became kind of like pen pals almost like we mm. were writing back and forth. Yeah. And then when we moved to Columbus to help with Francis's church plant, mm-hmm. uh, his wife, Shelly Giglio emailed me and said, Hey, can we meet with you? The passion team is coming to Columbus. We want to hear about the ministries on campus. Will you have dinner with us? And I mean, it, it was on my birthday. It was such a God thing, you know, yeah. and we met with them. And at that point we were going crazy for God and having homeless men live with us and yeah. all the things. And I became fast friends with Shelly and we texted when my, all through the years, like mm-hmm. I would, we would text each other. I met with her for lunch. Kevin and I had lunch with her and Louie one time down in Atlanta. Like 
it was amazing. And we were kind of on our way down. We were going to move to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Kevin was looking for a job there to help with Passion City Church. And our other friends were looking for, their husbands were looking for jobs. We were all going to move down there and help with their college ministry. Well, yeah. actually their high school ministry. And Shelly had given me her realtor's phone number. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of a big deal. And yeah. I gave all of that up because I had these, like, I, I wasn't, I think about it now even. And if my, if this book of mine just mm-hmm. had a couple of those stories in that book, yep. if they weren't in that book, I could probably have had, she- I I could have had Shelly endorse it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, yeah. So much of my story is so right on par with I, I still believe in Jesus. I still, whatever, but because yeah. I say these few questions or I mention Rob Bell, but I can't not have my integrity, That's you right. know, like, That's right. so when I think, oh, I could be speaking at one of Shelly Giglio's big women's ministry things, or we could be, oh, well, I, I'm, I have to be who I am, That's you know? Right. That's right. That's a huge part of it. I mean, you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and know like I'm being true to myself and the questions I have, I'm honoring because I'm not just going to stuff them away anymore and pretend they don't exist. I mean, that's just not a, that's not a coherent way or whatever, not, that's not the word, but whatever word it is, but that's not like a congruent way to live, to live your life. Yeah. Doesn't work. And I'm thankful my husband has been on this journey right along with me. We, we can talk about it. We sit on Sunday mornings in our Florida room and talk about the big questions and the big things of God. And yeah, it's been, well, I'm thankful for that because I know yeah. not has that. That's yeah. so good. So I want to talk about real quick because something that you said earlier on it was about the rapture and um, kind of what that theology did to you as a child. Because for me, and I was thinking about this while I was reading your book. I'm also reading Bart Ehrman's book, uh, Armageddon, which talks all about the book of revelation and stuff like that. Okay. And I came across the rapture when I was in sixth grade because I was going to this Christian school and we had right. Bible class every Wednesday or Thursday, whatever. And we were, wa- we were studying the book of revelation. So a light topic for sixth graders, sixth graders you know, yep. literally going through from chapter one to the end, the book of revelation. And part of what we did was we watched that movie, a thief, a thief in the night. You watched that one? Yeah, in school. <laughs> we watched it. <laughs> Sixth grade. Yeah. And I remember being absolutely horrified. And I felt like even in my like I didn't have words for it then, but I felt like this is abusive. Like looking back on it now, like I felt like in my mind, I'm thinking there's something wrong. This doesn't feel right that I'm being forced to watch this. And like I'm being told that if I don't do these certain things, I'm going to be punished. And you know, family members who don't believe they're going to, you know, go to hell, they're going to get left behind, whatever. And I remember feeling like I should tell my, my, my parents, but at the same time, I felt horrified because I'm like, well, what if I tell them and they just tell me that they're believing all these things just to quiet my own fears when they don't really believe these things. And then what if they go to hell and they get left behind? And what if that's all my fault? And so I never really told them about very much. And it wasn't maybe a couple of years ago, I was telling my mom about that movie. I was telling yeah. her about like my experience in the class. And she's like, I had no idea that you were going through that. And I told her like, I would cry myself to sleep at night. 
I'd wake up in the middle of the night having nightmares, having been left behind or my parents. I can remember having one where I was like floating up to the sky and my parents were like down on earth, like, and I couldn't get to them. And like, I got to heaven and I was supposed to be like happy and excited and everybody else is there. And I'm like really sad and everything. And I'm having all these dreams, but like they stuck with me for a long, long time. And so I'm curious, like in your experience, having, you know, come across this theology so young, did did that stuff stick with you? Did that stuff like impact your day-to-day life like it did for me and like it did for so many other people? 100%, 100%. Twofold. One, you know, as I was being, what's the word, promiscuous, Mm -hmm. as I was (laughs) behind my little red barn with my boyfriend, (laughs) um, I was always had that fear that I was going to get caught with my pants down. You know, there was, was always in there always or anything and there was this other side that was like okay before don't come back before I get married like I really want to have this wedding so don't come back yeah (laughs) all of those you know all of those kind of yeah and then I after I had children it became scary uh I remember watching the Super Bowl so that had been in 1996 I was a month before I was due to have Elena our daughter and so very pregnant, had two other children and they did a thing with microchips. Like they were showing something about a microchip and a credit card and yeah. something it was like fork. And I just remember this is it. This is yeah. it all going down, you know, yeah. or watching yeah. Jack Ben Impey. Do you remember, do you know him? Like he was on C- TV. Oh yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Or whatever. And then John Piper, when he came along, we learned from him everybody's going through the seven years it's yeah. post-trip you yeah. know right. <laughs> it's to go up first you're going through it you're gonna yep. get chopped off you know yep. and at some point it then too became with john piper and with all of that what i sat my kids through we weren't necessarily talking about revelation but we talked a ton about missions mm-hmm. and a ton about going to the nations and the 1040 window and yep. And hearing stories, I remember our pastor standing up there telling the story of somebody building a big ditch with their family. They all had to dig it, even with their little kids. And then they yeah. all were kneeling around and had to say they believed in Jesus. And then they all got their heads chopped off and fell in the ditch. Like, yeah. so my kids sat through that crap, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. So always there was a house that to get to my aunt to get to my aunt's house, there was a house that we would have to drive by mm-hmm. and it was up on a hill in the country. It was a big white house with a big barn and there were horses outside. And it always reminded me of that movie. Mm. And so even up, even when I was married and was, had to drive out to aunt Ruth's, I would like, I couldn't even look at that house, Yeah, you know, Yeah, I went back and looked, watched the movie a few years ago. It was so, I had such, my memories were so correct, yeah. you know, of the little yeah. guys running around with their guns. And, yeah. and then the only thing I didn't remember was uh, that they used a laundry basket to catch the heads. Like that's how hmm. horribly made yeah. the movie was and just the acting and everything was so <laughs> cheesy about it. <laughs> I remember that part, but yeah. But I will tell you, this is kind of a cool story. And I talk about it in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents, for the last 10 years of their life, my dad, they moved in with us, with me and my husband and our kids, because um, my dad had dementia. Mm-hmm. And so they sold their house, moved in with us. 
dad lasted two years and then my mom lasted another eight. Mm. And so he was 85 when he passed away and he was in hospice in our house for about three weeks, uh, congestive heart failure. Mm. And me and my two daughters and my niece were all in the room when he passed away, mm. um, when he, you know, took his final breath and I was holding his hand when he yeah. took his final breath, you know, yeah. and, and there was a point in there in those last years because of our beliefs and John Piper and, you know, you don't want to um, look for seashells when you're retired. Yeah. You, know, you can't, you always have to, like, I just thought my parents, I didn't even know if they were saved because yeah. they didn't do Bible studies and they didn't teach us about, you know, yeah. I'll tell you what, when my dad passed away, I knew, I knew mm. that he was, I knew where he was. There's no, there's no question in my mind. Yeah. And, and my dad loved us with the love of God and accepted and enjoyed us kids and his grandkids better than, yeah. Anyway, mm. I got to hold his hand. And then when my mom passed away in 2020, she had been in a nursing home. We brought her home for that last week. We knew she wasn't. Um, so we got to be right beside her, you yeah. know, 2020. We couldn't even be in the nursing home with her. Last week we brought her home and me and my sister, everybody and my kids were, came home that night. They were home. She was in hospice for a week. They were all up in bed. It was my turn to be down there with her. And I was laying in bed. The TV was on. That's the only light that was on in the room. And mm -hmm. I could hear her start to breathe different. And so I got up and I walked over to her and I could tell this was it. And wow. so I started to sing. I sang mm. every, she just loved her old hymns. And I just sang and sang and sang mm. all about, you know, when we all get to heaven and in the garden and whatever. And with my mom and my dad, especially since my dad took three weeks in hospice, we were all kind of like, you can go now, dad. Mm -hmm, right. <laughs> we had a family cruise <laughs> like three week, three days after he died that mm. we needed to go on. Mm. <laughs> it was like, dad, just go. Right. go. <laughs> um, but and he did. And we got to go on the cruise. And with my mom, it was kind of the same way. Like, mom, you can go, go be with dad. We love you. You know, all these saying all these kind of things. And I was the one that was holding her hand when she left. And I just think, how cool is it of a God that could say, you know what? You held their hands when you were nine years old and you said, don't go, don't go, please. Yeah. And then I got to be the one like, God, wow. graciously, I got to be the one that held both of each of their hands and say, go. It's yeah. time. Wow. Get to go. Mom, wow. go be with Jesus and go be with dad. Just go. Yeah. But, you know, so mm. it's worked out. Full you know, circle. Our heads haven't been chopped off yet, Glenn. Right. I like <laughs> they, get, they get chopped off. It's actually going to be by Christians. So, right. Most likely. Angelical white supremacist Christians who don't like us because we have rainbows on our websites, Glenn. Oh, goodness. <laughs> the horror, <laughs> the horror of it all. We're full, Glenn, for putting the rainbows on my website. That's right. I got you in trouble. And I chop my head off. You got to chop Glenn's head off. That's too. it. Send them over here next. That's fine. Whatever. But uh, do you think, I mean, in thinking about that, like you talk about in your book about, and you mentioned already, you know, your battles with anxiety and things like that. Do you think, and I don't know in, if I'm reaching here, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just thinking about like my own experience and my own thing to the anxiety. Do you think that a lot of those things stem back to those moments of like that terrifying theology? Because like I'm learning now just about how the body holds on to trauma and things yeah. that you don't maybe process as a kid and it yeah. comes out and it can't be bottled up. It's got to come out in some way, shape or form. So it often comes out 
in that anxiety. And it's not until sometimes we can even get rid of it. We could process it all that we want, but the body still holds on to it for some reason. Do you feel like there's a connection there with you and your anxiety? Hundred, hundred percent, hundred and fifty million percent. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like when I think of the times too, when I was going through all of that anxiety in those churches with the mm-hmm. um, and one of the things the pastor said to my husband and a couple of the other guys too, but was if you guys could lead your wives better, they mm. wouldn't have this anxiety and depression. Yeah. And so here I am then we leave. I remember leaving that when, after the pastor said that, cause I was there when he said it, getting in the car and looking at my husband and going, you need to lead me better. Mm. You lead, you better lead me. And so here I am now leading him to lead me. Right. right. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> just the whole thing of your fear is sin. I, mm-hmm. I was told so many times that my anxiety, it it wasn't hormonal. It was, you know, it wasn't because I almost, I had an emergency C-section and I, they told me my son had an aneurysm on his brain or that I'm learning that this hell that God may condemn my kids to hell without them having a choice, like all of these things. Now don't fear yeah. because fear is a sin. You know, you're flipping God off if you're afraid. So this panic attack you're having, you're actually flipping God off. I had a mentor tell me that. Mm. And then I had people tell me I was selfish. I had one guy tell me, and I talk about it in the book, that it was an eye, I had an eye problem. And Mm. because I was, had health anxiety when he said that, and it was in front of a group, it was an older man. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have eye cancer. What does he see? He's like, no, 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 capital I. You talk about yourself too much. Mm. Because I was telling him about my anxiety. So, okay, so now I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I'm not a Proverbs 31 woman. I have no value. I'm not supposed to love my kids because if I love them too much, God will take them away from me. I'm supposed to be like Abraham. I was reading that and Isaac. So yeah. put your children on, on an altar every day. And, you know, I'm like, okay, God, please. I love them so much. Don't take them. You know, I'm rocking them saying, God, don't take them away from me, please. No, I love you more. Please God. No, yeah. you know, like all of the, that's all built in. And then I'm told it's a demon. So yeah. I have two different, two different times when I had people, I'm on my knees and people are around me praying for me yeah. that the demon of fear would come out of me. Two different occasions. Yeah. Now, and guess what, Glenn? I wanted that. Like, please let this be a demon and take it out of me so I don't yeah. have to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Like, can it be a quick fix? Yeah. And of course it Done. wasn't. Right. Yeah. But you know what the fix has been? It's been uh coming out of all of that, <laughs> not believing in hell anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, not believing like understanding that there's all these different ways we can believe and that God is love and that we're loved and it's not a demon that's inside of me, yeah. all of that yeah, and actual real counseling and meditation and medication yeah. and all of these things have actually brought me out of it. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. Yes. That's the right. question, my answer is a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's not funny, but I mean, just having that I have that connection too with like the whole demon thing in my past and how I went to, when I went to seminary, we had a class where we called soul care and another one, uh, power encounter and divine healing, where we had a whole segments on demons. And I've been somebody who ever since I was a kid and it probably stemmed from all of this religious stuff, but 
I've always been, I've always had like a very low self like confidence and I've had high self doubt. And even like every podcast, I've said this before, like I turn on the microphone before I let the person enter the zoom room. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like I'm like, maybe I should just abandon this now because I can't do this. You know, like those thoughts creep in, but I was told that those are demons. Those are demons. And so I went through so many prayer sessions where I was like, please let this demon come out. Cause I can't deal with this anymore. Like I felt like it was taking away from like, I wanted to be a pastor and you know, preach every week. And I felt like I, if I'm really going to do this and make this my life's work, like I've got to get this under control and I would, you know, pray for this to go away. And after those sessions, like for like a week or two, I feel I feel pretty good. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this thing is gone, you know, but then it would start to creep in, but it would creep in and it would be my fault because while well, I'm not reading my Bible enough, or I skipped church a couple of weeks ago, or you know, I'm not tithing like I should be, or I'm sitting and so, there's some hidden sin. And so then it created more anxiety because I'm like, well, now I feel really bad about myself. Like I already feel bad about myself because apparently I have a demon. And that yes. demon's making me think all these terrible things. But now I'm really terrible because I can't even keep the demon away. You know, and it was like this never ending yes. cycle. Yeah. But giving up, like you said, giving up on that belief. Like, I don't know what the spiritual world is. I don't know. I, all, and I could barely control my own life, much less know what's going on in the spiritual world. But whatever it is, it is. But like, I don't believe all that stuff anymore. And I feel like that's been so freeing for me to be able to say this is just part of me and I can welcome it to the microphone and if i have to keep a puke bucket next to me i'll keep it next to me but we're just gonna welcome it all and just keep going and see where it all goes and that's so much more freeing to me than having people surround me praying for this thing to come out of me amen <laughs> amen. amen 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 all right listen we're nearing we're, we're this has been such a fun conversation i want to talk really quick about your book um and i was wondering if we could end with you reading us like an excerpt from the book um, because the book, and you can give us like a quick um, kind of explanation about the book, but I feel like this book is like we said earlier about a permission slip. I feel like this book is a permission slip to take all those thoughts, all those questions that we're told as fundamentalist evangelicals, bottle those things up, like close them up in a closet, lock the door, throw away the key, this book is like that permission slip to call those questions sacred, right? Call them holy. And I feel like, I feel like some, I've, all of our listeners, like you've got to go get this book because I know so many of our listeners are struggling, wrestling with these very kinds of questions. But is that a good way to describe the book? Like it, it's a permission slip to call those feelings, to call those questions sacred? Yes. I, I have thought so many times, like, why did I do this? And why am I doing this? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just the fears and all that. Yeah. And, um, it's been cool to hear from people saying, I feel like you're reading my mind yeah. again, putting so thoughts on putting words on, you know, and, and to me, it's just me writing, you know, yep. I, it's, it's just different posts that I put together. Um, like I would write them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. People would say, wow, you know, and then Keith Giles found you know, saw my writings and was like, okay, we need to do something with this. Yeah. I never thought I was going to be an author. Um, but how about if I just read, I feel like I should kind of, they go deep. We talked a ton about yeah. the, you know, but I think maybe I'll just end with one. That's kind of fun. Okay. okay. Um, full of delight. I had a counseling session the other day. 
And at the very end of our time, I was starting to stand up and gather my stuff. My therapist looked at me in the eye and said, Karen, you are delightful. Hmm. What? I know I looked confused. Are you kidding me? Delightful, full of delight. I had just gotten done telling her all of my struggles. We had just spent an hour together. Hmm. I cried most of the time. I was so tearful, so full of tears. I had just told her about all of my fears, how fearful I am, so full of fear. I told her what I was dreading, how dreadful I feel, so full of dread. Mm. I complained about how stressful my life can be, so full of stress. I also admitted to my arrogance and my pride, prideful, yep, full of pride. Mm. I told her about a certain scenario. She spoke life into it. I thanked her for her insight. She is so insightful. And then she said the word, delightful. Come on, she could have used any of the words I just used. Fearful, prideful, stressful. Why delightful? We have sat across from each other for a few years now. Shouldn't she be sick of me? Round and round and round. Just when I think I'm over the struggle, here we are again. It can, it can feel so shameful. How did we get back here? She tells me we are not back at the beginning. We are still going forward. Maybe we have hit a bump, but I now have the tools to help myself. Mm. I just have to be reminded of those tools and reminded of my identity. Mm. It reminds me gently. I am not my fears. I'm not defined by my struggles. And I shake my head, listening and ready to learn, relearn. Step back and see the big picture. There is hope. There is a peace to be had. My jaw relaxes. My shoulders drop. And I take a deep breath. And she speaks life. She mm. tells me I'm delightful. Mm. I just looked up the word. It means pleasant, enjoyable, attractive. Really? Okay, I will take it. I will lean into it. In the midst of my anxious little life, there is room for delight. Even as I type this, I'm afraid you might think I'm prideful. Mm. This is all so hard for me to say, telling the whole world I see a therapist. I still, I still struggle. I could pretend I don't. But would that be helpful, full of help? I'm thinking instead, it just might help someone to hear all of this. Mm -hmm. Fears and anxieties don't define you. Telling another person or counselor about them might be just what you need. You don't have to tell the whole world like I do, but there is rest in knowing that we are not alone in all of this and, and in speaking the truth to each other. The words I hear in my head about who I am, they are powerful. Here I say it, full of power. I need some life spoken into this delightful little head of mine. You do too. And it starts with being honest about the lies that you hear. Let's be honest. Let's speak some life into each other today. May our mouths be full of life. Amen. Amen. I was going to ask you, I was going to say, what would you say to our listeners, you know, who are, if they were here on the mic with us, like, what would be your word of encouragement for them? And I feel like that's it. Like, that's, that's the word. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, just the, the to welcome yourself and all of the questions, all the anxieties and call it delightful. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're not worms. Yeah. Oh, I spent a lot of years as soon as I learned that reality, yeah. I was just like, yeah, uh, I suck. Right. I'm the worst person ever. <laughs> right. And now it's like, oh wait, no, let's, let's not do that anymore. Let's talk. Yeah. So that's so good. 
Awesome. Well, Karen, we're just about out of time, but this has been um, a lot of fun. Thank you again for your work. Thank you for your friendship. And thanks for yeah. what you do. You'll come and be on mine, right? Yes. Well, we'll, we'll make it happen. We got some, obviously we have lots of stories that we can go back and forth with. It would be, yeah. it would be a lot of fun. And real quick, where can people go to find you on the socials and online and all the different places to connect with you? So you can see my amazing website, Karen Ruth Shock. Pretty good. Not going to lie. <laughs> and also my book, Too Much and Not Enough, is on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Yep, that's right. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes and we'll be doing this on your podcast soon. Cool. Thanks, Glenn. Awesome.